what's up everybody welcome back i just want to start off the episode by giving a shout out to everyone that's been supporting the podcast as you know we hit twenty-five thousand downloads last week great milestone for us here hey ronnie yeah it's like it 25 is a lot of people so thank you very much all around the world yeah guys so please keep sharing the podcast if you're following us on spotify apple google whatever you get your podcast give us a follow share us around we really enjoy hearing from you guys. And then, unfortunately, we had promised to bring attorney Shane Wafer on this week to discuss doping. But someone asked if he could beat Ronnie in an arm wrestle. So Ronnie's requested two weeks to hit the gym before him and Shane go to task. Yeah, that's uh, apparently what I'm doing next week. <laughs> and I'm actually watching Ronnie sit here on an ottoman. He's now past the 30-year-old mark, so I'm not sure how his back's going to feel tomorrow. We've already uh, raised that topic before last week, so let's move on. Yeah, but you took a couple of months of rubbing it in on me, Ronnie, so I think it's only fair I give you some back. And then, Ronnie, looking at the Curry Cup from this weekend, what did you think? Yeah, the Pumas obviously being the Sharks, I uh, that was... I didn't see that going that way. I had my suspicions. We spoke about it last week. And then in the end, I said, no, the Sharks should take it comfortably. And they didn't. So well done to the Pumas. Yeah, moral of the story, pick the opposite team to what Ronnie picks, eh? You yeah, said it last week and it rang true again. Can't deny it. Making a good habit of that, eh, hey, Ronnie? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Sharks, very sloppy performance from them. Slipping a lot of tackles, really struggling to get into the game. Um, they swung momentum back early in the, the second half, but after that it just sort of fell apart. New fullback Nivaldo Fleurs having joined the team from Marty's. How awesome is that? One week playing Curry Varsity Cup, sorry. Next week, uh, Curry, Curry Cup. Cup. Yeah, no, definitely a big achievement. And I mean, he was rushed into the starting lineup. He, he started at fullback. Good first 20 minutes, but I feel like as the team got quiet, so did he. Obviously, he'll be finding his feet down there in Durban. And then, Ronnie, I was just thinking, you know, he f- he's a natural fly-off, played there most of the Varsity Cup, only stepping up to fly-half when Marty's captain got injured for the final two games. But do you think that's a position the Sharks might have signed him for, you know, since we've having some struggles at fly-half? It could well be, but I think uh, he's shown that he can play both 10 and 15, or uh, I was convinced of his performance in two games at 15, so uh, for me, he's just one of those versatile players that they could potentially rely on. Yeah, I think definitely. I mean, at fullback, he's competing with the likes of Fassi, Fulming, Jordan Chait, so there's some competition there. Kerwin possibly leaving the Sharks, opening up a nice gap for, for Fleurs then to look at 10. Yeah, absolutely. Very exciting. So next game, we had uh, the Cheetahs... Uh, Against the Lions down in Bloemfontein. Yeah, as we always say, we love the Cheetahs here, but a bit of a struggle for the first 60 from them, hey? Yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it ended up being uh, uh, two fairly relatively high-scoring uh, scores. Um, I think both teams could take a good hard look at their defense for sure, but it was very tight for one at one point, and then... Uh, it's, it seemed to unravel. Yeah, big comeback from the Cheetahs in the second half. And I think that comes down to a lot. And we've spoken about it before, the leadership of Ruan Pinar, Franz Stein in that team. But yeah, definitely struggled to get into it. I was expecting a much bigger win. I think someone in our Super Brew pool, actually a Lion supporter, picked uh, Cheetahs to win by 48 points or 44 <laughs> points. Well, so that was, that was a, a surprise, how tight the score was, actually. Yeah, absolutely. But Franz Stein, still a beast. Beast, for sure. Reckon what? he's going to make the next World Cup? I keep asking you this, but of course he is. You reckon? It's bad luck not to have him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Two of the last three that we won, he was there to sign. But yeah, um, then Bulls versus Griquas. Yeah, look, I said it. I say it every week. Griquas are giant slayers for sure. They've got it in them. Fortunately, uh, the Bulls proved just a little bit too strong back here at uh, at home at Loftus. But yeah, very exciting still. 
Yeah, I mean, Jay quite actually coming out after that game and saying it's taught them some valuable lessons for the URC and the Curry Cup playoffs that are coming up to take the points, you know, not just to hang on going for the tries. And, you know, he is right. In finals rugby, there are no bonus points. So there's no point in, in going for the hectic tries. Rather get the points, keep the scoreboard ticking. But definitely expected a better performance from the Bulls considering most of their URTs, URC side actually played this weekend. Yeah, Jake White's playing his, uh, his players often. Uh, do you think that that's going to have an impact on these players later in this season? Well, to be fair, the season finishes on the 18th of June and very few Bulls players have been included in the box squad. So Preliminary box squad. Yeah, but I mean generally and considering last year, there's not that many of them, despite them having utter quality in Pretoria here. Mm. They've struggled to get selection into the box side. Your boy Marcel Kutsia? Yeah, still wanting Marcel to get there, but it's not looking like it's going to happen. Yeah, then I guess them playing so frequently ensures that they're going to be match ready, match fit uh, when the URC resumes. So that's uh, it's definitely a positive. Yeah, I think if it was me as coach, I would have maybe rested them for this week and put them back in action next weekend, you know, a week out from the URC. But Jack White's won many awards, so he probably knows better. <laughs> He's won a World Cup. Yeah, he has indeed. So, you know, Bulls rotating their squad quite well in terms of the mixing up. Sharks saying they're doing a similar style. But, you know, the Sharks seem to have drawn a fairly rigid line between the uh, Curry Cup and the URC squads. Yeah, a couple of uh, crossovers, but not me. Yeah, like the James Fenter and put a Chamberlain in them. But none of the real starting frontline Springbok players making any appearances in the Curry Cup at the moment. Sure. Wrapping them up in a bit of Cottonwall. Lukanya Am's coming back, though. Exciting. Yes. So he's done being big in Japan. You know, the struggle is I haven't watched any of his games over there. It's only clips that I see here and there. But I would actually really love it. And we've said this so many times. I just want to watch uh, Japanese rugby on Supersport. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to having him back. Also, would love to see some of the Japanese games. Not a lot of coverage here at home on those yeah. fixtures. And actually, not great that that's happening because there's many Springboks playing there. Many. Vili, Franku, you know, to name a few. Malcolm Marks, even another. But yeah, what can what can we say here, Ronnie? It was a good Curry Cup. It was a good Curry Cup. Another round of Curry Cup fixtures this weekend coming, so that's great to see. Cheetahs remaining unbeaten as well, so that's that's a big positive. They've taken top of the log now, and they still have a, a game in hand over the Blue Bulls. So that's great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I will definitely circle back to this one a little bit later on in the podcast, but uh, put an asterisk there next to the Cheetahs. I will indeed do so, Ronnie. And then, I mean... Jacques, Ninaba and them having completed the, the last alignment camp. A camp Evan Roos was invited to, thankfully. That's a good plus. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so was Johan Gerson. So what do you make of that? Yeah, you know, we spoke a little bit on the Johan Gerson issue, but I don't see why he was included. I don't feel like he was deserving of an alignment camp considering he's injured. But then again, they want to fill him out. They want to fill him out. That's, it's not my... But, uh, the point I was trying to make there is... Uh... You know, people could say the same about Evan Ruiz. But I think this is the brilliance of uh, Jacques Ninaba. Um, and I want to say Rassi Rasmus as well, but we know he's director of rugby. Uh, the coach is Ninaba. I think this is a masterstroke. You know, you're really taking those players that are just on the precipice of being, you know, really quality uh, Springboks and uh, giving them a shot in a camp. So well done, Evan Ruiz. And you know what I want to say? Well done, Jan Gersen. Yeah, I, I disagree on the Gersen topic, but that's an argument for another day. But yeah, after that camp, Ninaba saying they will announce the Springbok squad for the Wales series for the end of the month. So I assume that'll be after the last round of fixtures before the quarterfinals. 
What do you think of that, Ronnie? But early, considering it's a full month ahead of the actual incoming series. No, it's uh, right before the sort of playoff stages of the ERC, so I suppose most of the players he's going to select are still have a couple of games in hand, and they're going to have to they're going to have to perform absolutely. So they're going to be very happy. They're not going to be their their motivation is going to be up. They're going to have some. Uh, yeah, well, something to play for. To they're going to have something to prove. To, a point to prove. So, but yeah. I think. The team will probably also gather as teams get knocked out in the playoffs. You know, they will link up with the Springboks and the squad will just grow until the end of the URC when the last South African team remains. On that note, I wrote an article today on my pick for the SAA side. And some people took quite solid stances on the topic, Ronnie. So I was wondering if we could debate it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. You know, any team selection, Springboks or Springbok A or South Africa A, it's always going to be contentious. People have their opinions. We've got our opinions. I think my opinion is better than your opinion. But the fact remains, it's just an opinion. No, that's for sure. But I mean, let's just discuss the front row that I picked, which is actually the part I struggled with the most was Trevin Yokane at Lucid, Dweba at two, and Thomas Detoy also to captain the side. Yeah, absolutely. Those are real three quality players. Um, but the problem is there's three quality players that could also start ahead of them. It's really interchangeable. We're absolutely yeah, blessed. I mean, it. this is for the SAA side, remember, to play the midweek games. But saying that, I thought about it, and the reason I've picked these props, I just want to clear this up because people took a lot of issue with this article on this particular aspect. We have... A Springbok squad, and then the fallover from that squad is going to be in the SAA side, right? We have so many top quality props in the Springbok squad that are actually regular starting bench players that I don't see any other up-and-comers really making it into the SAA side. I mean, you've got Vincent Cox, Stephen Kitsoff, Oxen Chair, Trevor Nyokane, Malherba. You know, there's, there's so much quality there. And Thomas Detoy as well. So... I'm not saying that these guys are only SAA quality. I'm just saying that there's no newcomers that are going to crack into that unit and they need game time. So yeah. perfect platform to rotate them it's in. It's a great amount of depth, really. It is. It uh, really you've is. You've got so many selections. Like I would be more than happy to have Thomas uh, or Trevor right in the starting lineup because 100%. they really are people we can rely on. Well, maybe Trevor's been injured recently quite uh, a few times and uh, quite frequently, but you know what? He's still a good player. I, I believe that he can step it up. So the front row was purely about the rotation aspect for me. Then at lock, I named Marvin Uri and Ruan Nyokia. I think both deserving. Uri exposed to the box setup last year. Yeah. Ruan Nyokia in fantastic form this year. Yeah. My loose trio, Ulrich Lowe at 6, Diomani at 7, and Ivan Ross at 8. I think that's quite an exciting back three, probably the three form back rows in the competition at the moment, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you didn't you didn't mention Pepsi, but he's also someone that could quite comfortably slot in there. So I think yeah, so he, I actually have Pepsi on the bench. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he's, the he's there, but he's also playing quality rugby. So, you know, again, we've got a lot of depth in the Lucies, and you could put players, you know, these guys are... are quality and it's very difficult to choose starting no for sure and then nine and ten i went with grant williams and marnie libok i think libok's the favorite everyone wants to see sort of playing so not much argument there grant williams also you know in the box setup last year the likely player to fulfill that role others include you know Jaden hendricks um nohamba sort of fallen out of favor having now linked up with the lions to regain some form but yeah i feel like williams probably the safe bet there sure then I went for Stormers wingers, hey? Zas and Sinatla. 
And Sinatla, okay. Yeah, those were the two wingers I went for, considering Sinatla was also included in this last alignment camp. Centers, I also struggled a little bit with, I put Andre Estes in a 12. I'd imagine mm. he's most likely going to get his first exposure there. You know, people are very excited, and I, for one, I love uh, Andre Estes and the way that he plays, physicality, and <laughs> he could quite easily be, you know, a, a backup for Dialende or whoever he needs to be. So, Definitely a quality player, but I mean, he's competing now with the likes of Dialende, as you mentioned, yeah. Franz Stein, Willemse, so there's some, some sturdy competition there. And then Wandersile uh, Simulani I went for at 13. I know there was a suggestion of Henku van Veik, but I felt like Simulani was in the setup last year. He's just signed. <laughs> this act just walked away from the microphone to turn the lights on. Because Sorry, ESCOM. load shedding just kicked in, guys. So I had to go turn the Damn torch it, on. ESCOM, like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and we're going to leave this in here just because it's authentically South African. Oh, no, man, it's ridiculous when they turn the electricity off. Come on, man. We have a lot of American listeners. So just to clarify, load shedding is when they decide you can't have electricity for two hours. Yes. Sometimes three times a day. <laughs> so, uh, back, okay, so back we're on sitting topic. here with cell phone light. Let's get back into it. Back on topic, Similani at 13, debatable. And then controversial. I picked Tyron Green, Harlequin's fullback, to start at 15. I know, he's also somebody that you've been speaking about quite often lately. And uh, it's, it's, it's a name that sticks with me because you keep saying it. But uh, yeah, I think there's some other suggestions that could... Uh, yeah, Warwick Halland being Warwick the big Halland suggestion to one. fulfill that role. I think Warwick, Warwick Halland could probably pip Tyron Green. But no, you know, Tyron Green, well done, playing well. Uh, for bench front row, I went with Johan Krubelar and Tutuko Mchunu and Nyetling Fushier. Fushier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I also struggled there. And like I say, these are players that might make the SAA side, but I don't see any of them cracking the nod for, for full Springbok colours at the moment. Nicholas Janse van Rensburg, included last year, went home due to family reasons. I'd imagine he's in the selection mix again. If Ron Nokia hasn't uprooted his spot in that Springbok squad. You know, Arche Snowman's not there, so there is some availability, but who knows what the Bok coaches will go. Well, it's very heartbreak for me still that topic of uh, Arche Snowman being injured so yeah, so severely. It's, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. So hey? yeah, he's definitely a player I would want to see playing rugby be it in the a or in the box side so yeah hope he gets better and then just rounding off the team you've already mentioned pepsi's there on my bench then scrum half Jaden hendricks interestingly at fly half backup i put sia masuku from the cheetahs i thought he's been playing pretty well if you'd asked me this in january it would have been put to chamberlain uh, but sia's sia's my pick there as backup fly half and then warwick Holland makes the bench for me there sure purely on his versatility as well. So, yeah, I don't know. What did you think of that squad, Ronnie? Look, like I said, everyone's going to have their opinion. You're always going to have people that will disagree with you. I think what we can just conclude is we're very blessed with respect to depth, don't you think? There's some promising players. Maybe they just, uh, we all hope and, 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 you know, we're hoping that they can step up and be that quality that we need. I just feel the only positions that we have a worry about or fly. have to worry about fly half and outside yeah. center. Yeah, Those we need are, we need a third and a fourth flyer for sure. Uh, I just need to step up and, and make it theirs. And I'd maybe like to see a Jan Serfontaine getting a look in to back up um in that thirteen channel. You know, we really don't have any specialist thirteens in the squad outside of Lucania Um. Jesse Creel that can play there, but not they've moved natural, them around yeah. too much, uh, so he's not he hasn't made that position his. Yeah. So that's that's probably our only two positions of concern at the moment. Otherwise, most players recovering well from injury. Fife having a good game this weekend. 
for sale. Unfortunately, they did lose, but he did play quite well. Somebody's going to call you out for your team selection, but... Uh, <laughs> I've no already right, been called out, so... It's everybody's right. There we go. And then, Ronnie, another controversial article I put up. Uh, Are we ranting now? No, we're not at all. We're discussing the viability of the cats. <laughs> I thought you were jumping the gun and, and doing your rant. Uh, the viability of the cats. What do you think of it, eh? Uh, there was a time where I definitely thought that that was a good idea. But I just think that these are two well-established clubs in their own right and on their own. You can't take the cats, uh, the cats, the cheetahs out of Bloemfontein. You can't take the lions out of Joburg, and uh, you can't split between the two. I just think you know those are the those are the three facts, and uh, it's just unfortunate. I don't think you can take those teams out of the equation. So you know, my suggestion obviously comes the lions finishing quite low on the URC log, cheetahs dominating in the Curry Cup, and I just feel like a mixture of those teams might be the best way to include the Cheetahs in some quality top-tier rugby and to assist the Lions with their struggles at the moment. Because the danger is that, uh, you know, if we don't find proper games for the Cheetahs, they do become redundant. No, exactly. And that's a big worry for a very, very good team and a very proud tradition that's going on there in Bloemfontein. Yeah, I know. It would be very sad for me. Yeah, it would definitely be sad, Ronnie. But, you know, for those that don't know, the Cats played Super 12 between, what was it, 96 to 2005. They were made up of the Lions, the Pumas, Leopards, Cheetahs, Grickers and Griffins. And they split their games between the Free State and Ellis Park. You know, definitely logistical challenges with something like this. But when it comes down to it, if it's going to make the rugby better, if it's going to get quality players out on the pitch, I really don't see what the issue is. A lot of people actually coming out and saying it didn't work back in the day, but I, I have to make a point of some of the results that the Cats achieved. They, in the, what, seven years that they existed, they made three semifinals, which is, is decent against all the New Zealand and Aussie teams. They managed to beat the Highlanders 56-21. That's a good result. And I mean, finishing third place on two occasions. Their last two seasons, not so great, but, you know, better than what the Lions are achieving at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the Lions is very unfortunate. You don't make it into the finals of Super Rugby multiple times and now... Yeah, sort of clunk. Now sort of clunk. I suppose clunk is a good word, thank you, but you know, it's unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. And then actually on this topic, a bit relevant, seeing in the news this week, uh, Wales might be dropping a team out of the URC at the end of next year. So what are you saying? What are you alluding to? You want the Cheetahs to take their place? Well, that's, if that's a possibility, I'd love to see it, put the Cheetahs back in there. Five South African teams in the URC, don't you think that's uh, it's a little bit greedy from the South Africa? I don't think it's greedy if we can get some financial backing into the Cheetahs' side. As long as, again, I'm going for quality here. As long as they can bring quality, go for it. If they're going to have the structures in place, if they're going to have the financial backing, why not? You know, Wales are struggling, they want to cut a team down, they've been struggling for crowd attendance, for money. Fair, cut a team, replace them with the Cheetahs. Who else are we going to look at? I understand, but I don't think putting them in the URC is is, is a good thing. I think four South African teams, it's, an, it's a nice balance between all the regions. So I think the Cheetahs should definitely be playing in a second-tier URC competition, the URC Shield or the UR Shield. That, for me, makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, So we're obviously focusing a lot on the Heineken Cup and the European Challenge Cup and the Rugby Challenge and all these competitions that we could potentially... Well, that we supposedly will get into. And that's really nice to see progression from one tournament to another and, and more on the stake than just a win for a single cup in a single competition. So introducing the Shield and putting Cheetahs and some other teams that are sort of on that on that boundary, 
it's going to be very exciting. But now this is just a, a stumbling block to having five South African teams in the URC. I mean, it could happen anyway. So why <laughs> are we putting anyway. that obstacle in their in their way? You know, it's I don't know. To me, it makes sense to include them if a wild side is dropping out. Um, obviously, if no wild side is dropping out, then I would go for something like URC Shield for promotion relegation. But yeah, all's up in the air at the moment, and it's very unfortunate for the the Cheetos at the current time. And then Ronnie has to has to be one of the games of the year, Munster vs Toulouse. Yeah, so I didn't watch this game live. Uh, I actually watched clips of it uh, when I was uh, when I woke up on on Monday morning before work. So I watched these clips, and then I I wasn't actually didn't actually realize what it was that I was watching. Uh, I only clicked much later what was actually happening, and I'm I'm sad that I didn't realize the the magnitude of what was actually happening on television. Yeah, I mean, first time ever in European Champions Cup history that it's gone to extra time, but not only did it go to extra time, we also saw a penalty shootout. Must admit, first time I've seen that in a rugby game, so that was really cool to to witness. Half time, fourteen all. Yeah. Game right in the ask, balance. You can't ask for a more balanced uh, and quality game, really. Yeah, and then I mean, Rory Arnold gets a yellow card for that hit on Simon Zebo. A little bit controversial. You don't think so? I, I, I don't think so. Um, already said so. It the the tackle was just incredibly hard, and uh, Simon Zebo's momentum carried him round, which is what resulted in him uh, landing on his back and then eventually neck and, and head. But the law is clear. If that happens even irrespective of whether there was any malicious intent, it's still a cardable offence. Well, that card saw Munster steal a 10-point lead. They were leading 24-14 at a point. Arnold comes back on to lose, pick up the pace, and level the scores up at full time. You know, then they went to... Oh, actually, there was a 56-meter penalty attempt from <laughs> yeah. Ben Healy. He, unfortunately, just pulled it. That would have ended the game right then and there. I know, but it was close. Very close. Good attempt as well. Gutsy to make that move. We went to extra time, both teams taking a shot at a drop goal and missing, and then penalty shootout. Do you think it should be a penalty shootout or a drop goal challenge? No, definitely a penalty shootout. You reckon? Yeah, I'm a fan of the penalty shootout. First two to step up, scrummies, Connor Murray and Anton Dupont, both getting it over. And then, unfortunately, the you can't really call him the villain, although he missed actually four kicks in a row, if you think about it. The drop goal attempt... The 56-meter penalty and then both attempts in the penalty shootout, Ben Healy. Yeah, but you can't you can't call him out for that. I mean, that takes a lot of guts to step up like that. And, you know, he's definitely going to learn from that and come back if that ever happens again and be a legend. It's true. And, I mean, he's not their first-choice kicker. That's Joey Carberry. He actually didn't get to take his last kick because by that time, um, Toulouse had already won. So they didn't play Toulouse? No, they played to win. <laughs> and win they did. <laughs> But yeah, also Intermac, crazy game from that guy. I mean, he drops the ball, it's knocked backwards, picks it up and still manages to score a try. They just seem to be doing very similar stuff to what the French are doing. And rightly so with their pivots playing together. It's great for them. Yeah, really awesome. One problem though, Ronnie. What's that? Munster losing this game means that they're primed to load their URC team for the game against Leinster with all their top-level players. Yeah, because they no longer have to split their squad. Exactly. And Leinster's still in the Champions Cup, having beaten Leicester. So what this could mean for South Africa is if Munster beat Leinster, they will move up to second on the log and won't be touchable. And then... We're all battling out for third and fourth. Yeah, and two Irish semi-finals on the card then. Sure. 
So that that's a bit of a problem. We were hoping that both Munster and Leinster would remain in the Champions Cup. Fortunately, that didn't pay off. So now the South Africans are going to have to play very hard this weekend. It's going to be very tough. Yeah, it's going to be tough, but not as tough as listening to your two cents, eh, Ronnie? Are we ranting this week or raving? It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a both. A bit I, of a both. A bit of a both. I've got great confidence in this now. <laughs> so, uh, in 2019, um, I was still enjoying my uh, my rugby a lot, and the South Africans were playing uh, in Super Rugby, and it was very exciting. And you know, I always said, you know what, I just love Southern Hemisphere rugby so bloody much, and it's absolutely true. I'm stoked about the fact that uh, you know the Southern Hemisphere has won so many World Cups. But with respect to domestic rugby, I just thought, you know, it was all in the Southern Hemisphere. It was just very exciting. I want to apologize to uh, all the people that I told way back then that uh, Northern Hemisphere rugby was terrible. Are you apologizing here, Ronnie? Yeah, I'm apologizing. Apologizing yeah. to my past self. And I just <laughs> want to say that th- this Northern Hemisphere rugby, I haven't been into rugby in so bloody long as much as I have right now. It's been it's been an addiction, but... Uh, I love it so much it's become a problem yeah, i'll give you that was a rave that well was it was a rave, a rave i said well done for not both i'm saying that yeah in the southern hemisphere you guys uh guys uh, don't know what you're missing yeah definitely i also agree with you my interest is very heavily peaked there's some excellent rugby on tv at the moment yeah it's amazing very very stuck up in it absolutely and then ronnie you know last week you guessed christchurch it was actually eden park in auckland that was the winning stadium for Saturday. Unfortunately, I think you're currently still losing on the scoreboard there. Well, I don't think you're keeping track. I'm going to have to keep track. Eh? <laughs> well, Fortunately, we're recording this, so I can go back and check. Well, I, I don't lost. believe that you have the energy and you're too lazy to, to go and do that. <laughs> so uh, I think I'm leading like 8-2 or something like that. Like you told everyone last week that you were leading on the Superbrew log when I'm actually in, what, 14th place in the Curry Cup and you're 104th? Well, is that no a idea. compliment? No idea what you're talking about. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Well, Ronnie, this week, this suggestion actually comes from my granddad. So, Opa, if you're listening, your suggestion's here. Let's see if Ronnie can guess this one. Like Opa. So, Ronnie, we're doing another Name the Player. Don't stuff it up this week. You get your three questions. All right. Yeah, let's see if you can guess who this is. So, this player's birthday is this coming Saturday, the 14th of May. He has captained the Sharks previously. He played for Toshiba Brave Lupus. His 50th test cap came in 2012. He's the second youngest Springbok player ever. He's represented a total of five professional clubs, and he's scored a total of 1,054 points in his career. Sure. What are your questions? So every week I ask this, and uh, I'm going to do it again tonight. Uh, is he a World Cup winner? Yes. Is he the youngest to be selected or the youngest to start a game for the Springboks? Youngest to start a game. Right, uh, second youngest. Second youngest to start a game. Sorry, is his grandfather from Ireland? Yo, Ronald, I have no idea if his granddad's from Ireland or not. We have to answer it. No. No. <laughs> well, either way, whatever you're gonna say, I'm gonna go for Patrick Lambie. Well, Ronnie, it's actually Andy Good. No, I'm joking. You're gonna have to wait for Saturday. Uh, That's right. Threw me off. Here. I thought you were gonna <laughs> Clues will be posted throughout the week. You guys know this by now. Uh, answer coming on Saturday and then next week and this time we promise uh, we're having Blue Bulls referee uh, Carla Ardendorf join us on the pod we're going to be discussing with her about you know how to become a referee how she got into rugby and just generally about you know the progression of a referee's career so yeah I'll catch you guys back here next week Thursday okay